HavanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey, Brian. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Mike. And Happy New Year to everyone listening. Welcome to the Top 8 Magic Podcast. The first Top 8 Magic Podcast of 2016, hopefully of many, many <laughs> Top 8 Magic Podcasts. I was going to say, you left the door open there a little bit for a slam, Mike. <laughs> There's going to be so many of these this year. People are going to be so happy. We're going to have... When was the last time we did a full set review? It's been a long time. Well, there's going to be one every single week this year. <laughs> we'll go back. We'll review Cold Snap. You know, there's been, you know, hey, you know what? We haven't had a full set review in, since yesterday. Which, which is why let's, today let's we're going to start with our first unhinged we're gonna, set. We're going to start with our review of the Wizards holiday cards today. <laughs> it's going to be great. Well, actually, actually, this is our New Year's resolution podcast. Uh but that doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means. What it is is we're going to talk about some of the cards that have been officially spoiled in Oath of the Gatewatch and talk about where and when we think we might resolve these cards in 2016. I can so, talk about my actual New Year's resolutions, actually, if you want. Yeah, what is your actual New Year's resolution? I have two of them, um, but uh, the one I think is more more germane to uh, to our listeners is actually uh, I want I want to set aside time. Uh, and uh, like maybe time per day, but I think it's probably going to translate into time per week that I work on Fetchland every uh, every week. And, and I, I've been like a little inconsistent about it. So sometimes I do a bunch, sometimes I do a, not a bunch. So that's that's one, and that would include more Top Eight Magic podcasts. Because yes, that's you know one of the big draws. You know, along with kitchen table gaming, uh, and then you know those are some of the things that uh, you know we we enjoy doing, and hopefully the the viewers, listeners, readers, etc., also enjoy participating in with us. Speaking of which, uh, you know, if you if you haven't looked, uh, we have an article on Fetchland this last week from Stefan Suchik of uh, Croatia. Uh, he's a Magic player. He's been the Croatian national Magic champion several 2008, times. Right, two thousand eight was the first time he 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 was on the team. Uh, played played in uh, the World Championships a bunch of times, but it was it was really interesting to me. I got to really spend sometime talking to him at the World Magic Cup this year, and he talked about how disarming it was for his father that he was sharing a house with the Serbian national team. You know, like all these players go to these events and they make these playtest houses. So, you know, the Croatian team and the Serbian team just were like, okay, well, we're going to room together. And for his dad, you know, I mean, honestly, his, you know, 20 years ago, his his you know his father was in the army and they were you know you know Serbians were the enemy and uh, you know you know these these are, are are two countries that share a border and you know so but but for 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 Stefan the you know growing up and growing up with magic uh, you know he when he got went to two worlds in two thousand eight he you know came there with some anti-Serbian prejudice, you know, like, you know, in his heart from his family and from just, you know, years of, of war and uh, met some Serbian players who were, you know, like, uh, that's silly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we all play magic, right? You know, and like basically has talked about how his generation of player, you know, of, uh, has really just come together. They have these tournaments that are deliberately held near the Serbo, Serbo creation, Croatian border so that players from both communities can get there 
And it was it was fascinating to me, right? Like it was just like, and you know, this is not something that's gone away in either country. That this this hatred, right? He, he's talking about how it just flared up. You know, again, you know, in light of all the recent Syrian refugee crisis, and um, but but it was it was really uh, touching to me, you know, to to see, uh, especially at this time of year, right, with the holidays coming in and the, the new year, and you know, someone you know who who was able to find this common ground through magic with someone who, by all accounts, should just be his enemy, right? You know, uh, you know, he's he's very good, you know, particularly good friends with Alexa Telleroff. Uh, you know, Magic Online, uh, a, a mox winner, uh, and uh, you know, it was just, it was just, it was just really great. See, and he wrote, a, he wrote a really great piece for us. I was, I was very grateful to him for that. Uh, yeah, it was just, this isn't uh, a kind of piece that I want to say that I've never seen, but we haven't. I think since the days of the dojo, seen a lot of these kind of community-centered pieces that are are so. I'm not. I'm not sure how to how to describe it. It's clearly about magic. It's clearly about the impact that magic has on a person or persons. But it's it's quite different from here, here's my deck or right. You know, this is a preparation I did for this tournament. You know, or you know, this is the draft order I have for Red Commons. You know, like, <laughs> it, 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 and it's the kind of thing like you know, I mostly grew up in the United States, but I, I could really. I could really see kind of where he was coming from on this. And it was a wonderful, very interesting um, uh, piece. And we're very lucky to have had it on the site. Yeah, no, I, I, I uh, you know, it's one of those things too, where you're like, man, I, I'd really like to have more content like that on the site, but I, I don't know. You know, it, it it's such a unique piece. I don't so think I, there, I guess, is, there is. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So I think, I think the goal in, in the, in the year is to come up with more unique content, not necessarily more, you know, I don't think you could say come up with more content like that, but more content that is unique in that, in that regard, you know? Uh, but anyway, yeah. So that's one of my two, um, uh, two resolutions. You can hear the other one if you want. Sure. Go ahead. So um, I hired a trainer this year. I think we, we talked about this a little bit. Your wife is a trainer, right? Yeah. So I had her train, and I've, I've made like quite a bit of improvement, um, uh, just like uh, doing push-ups and stuff. And so I just, uh, but then like I, I lowered the uh, the amount of uh, training I did for my training. It's quite expensive. So, um, so I was just like, well, I'm going to keep training, and I'm going to even keep training with my trainer. But I was training like twice a week with him, and um, so I was like, I'm going to keep doing the same amount of. Uh, of training schedule that I was doing with him, even without him, and then other stuff as well. And then I'm going to still see him probably like twice a month or something. But just about keeping um, myself on track. I, I guess everyone always has like health and fitness, wellness, weight loss, whatever kind of New Year's resolutions. But I mean, this is the kind of thing that I've been doing for months already. So, but I just want to keep myself, um, uh, you know discipline to it and stuff like that and i have like weird aspirations like long term like i want to be able to do 100 push-ups like that's something that's uh okay uh so like you know the next time i miss an idol on trigger it'll be effortless <laughs> for me to so so you're gonna be in much better physical shape but your attention to tight operational play will be greatly diminished well yeah so it, the, basically <laughs> what it means is let's be honest i'm gonna miss an idol on trigger <laughs> But like when I when I had to, when I had to do my push-ups for missing the idol on trigger at Pro Tour Vancouver, you know, it was pretty tough for me to finish the. Uh, the I mean, I could do it, right? Um, I mean, now I could just I could smash through ten push-ups. Yeah, That's no I, big deal. I could do like 
10 push-ups with the twist, or I could do elevated ones or whatever. I could do like 15. That's or awesome. Not even don't tell, don't tell my it. wife, but I, I, I can't even play with an Eidolon. It's <laughs> too risky right now. <laughs> I bet your wife could do 10 push-ups. She looks, uh, yeah. She looks to me like the kind who could. Who yeah, could. She, she could play a mono Eidolon deck. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. well she could, could she play it well? I mean, like. Doesn't matter. She'd be fine. Okay. So, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's important yeah, to my, 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 uh. My resolution for the year is to uh, write more fiction. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's, there's a number of uh, stories, you know, that uh, I just, you know, both, you know, prose and uh, sequential narrative and, you know, that I, that I want to tell. And I, I keep putting them off and, you know, they keep sort of jumbling on top of each other. And it's time to start clearing out some of those, you know, clear some of those boxes out in the attic. So. You know, this isn't even something that we uh, we plan on talking about. I think. Uh, I mean, we mostly talked about our resolutions would be what we'll resolve from. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's well, that's that, that is what it is. That's what uh, we're talking about. And then you know, some Star Wars at the end. But uh, I just want to before we get to the magic, magic, which we will get to in a second. Um, I, I just want to ask you this: So, are you talking about maybe some more stuff in the Emergence universe? So, De- definitely some more stuff in the Emergence universe. Um, I have a. Uh... Uh, you know, uh, I have a crime novel that I, I really want to write, which is set against, uh, you know, working in comic book stores in the late 80s, <laughs> you know, really, really set against sort of like emerging uh, comic book culture. Uh, I have, uh, you know, a short story that I've been looking to write for a very long time. I have, you know, multiple comic projects, some of which you're familiar with that have been, you know, sort of sitting uh on the shelf for for a while so could you do 64 pages how about do this how about could you be 48 pages of drop dead gorgeous and that could be my my other my other one. Oh, i could do that yeah yeah so we can we we shouldn't talk about that until that becomes more yeah. <laughs> it's only been oh yeah 14 no, too years many. yeah yeah right. <laughs> which which in the which in the queue of projects that i've been spinning my wheels on for too long uh is is really just somewhere in the middle so all right so speaking of spinning our wheels let's let's, let's stop <laughs> spinning our wheels and actually get to uh the resolutions portion so what will resolve i'm, I'm just working from the um are we gonna go basically through, through all the visual spoiler on on the wizard's website and then some yeah of the, all right so uh so and so so and so we, we can talk about these in the sense of you know is this a card that's going to resolve in standard you know, do you think it'll resolve in a more in an older format? Uh, and of course, I can talk about when I think they will resolve in limited or commander, if you like. All right. I mean, I, as you know, as you've been instructed by none other than Ben Stark, Pro Tour Hall of Famer, one of the best limited players in the world. I am a limited expert now. As you, you, you can attest. That's true. I, that I, I mean, Ben Stark. Well, no, he's a limited expert now. Yeah, one of the best win percentages in limited. Uh, in, in uh, one pro tour, yeah. In one pro tour. <laughs> get, get to the next one. <laughs> right? I, I, I probably still, I mean, Patrick actually went through the sets. He said, I'm actually still quite above average, but um, but uh, no longer at the, <laughs> I beat Ben Stark level. Um, so uh, so I, I can contribute a little bit, maybe. Um, right. I, I actually do a fair amount of drafting. Like on Friday nights, I, I don't tell anyone, I play Friday Night Magic uh, limited. Ooh. I played like, Lots of times without you, actually, since those times we did before Vancouver. 
Ooh, um, nice. Are you going to where? Where do you go on Fridays for limited? Do you go to Uncommons or do you yeah, go to Odyssey? I, I, I uh, I've been going to the Uncommons. I, I did a lot of two ones, uh, and then a few weeks ago, I, I think I, I had somewhere to be. I thought I could be there at like I forget eight or nine, so I made it to the store by like six. I left myself three hours, um, and I got a one zero off uh, before I had to go to 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 uh, hit my appointment, which was you know a um, kind of a a mid or late evening appointment, um, and then I would have won the draft for sure, though. <laughs> um, it, it was weird. It started off a uh, a black white allies deck, so um, you know the 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 life gain kind of black yeah, white allies class three yeah. class three healers and. Um, but then midway through pack two, I saw that no one was taking the red white double striker. I'm like, okay. oh, this is, and then I got it like the red white double striker, <clears throat> three three picks in a row, like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, or something in pack two because I knew they were gonna. I'm like, they might still be here. If the first one's here, the next two will be here too. Was the my read of the table, and I got them all. And then I opened Munda, so uh, it sounds maybe like it was a bit of a disaster draft, you know, like yeah, yeah, red, white, black. But my lands included. Uh, the black, like, I think, two of the black white manland, oh, like two evolving wilds, and then yeah. uh, black red and another in color uh, uh, battleland. Battleland. I had two in color battlelands, so I guess it could be black white. So red white can't be that, right? So maybe I had two black reds. It was it's a, it was unreal. My mana base was like seven fixing or something. Wow. Uh, and my cards were all insane because they were all allies in the core cards. <laughs> right, Except, I, by, by the way, I and like, like two I like touch how, of the voids. <laughs> I, I like I like how in the draft where you got to go, yeah, you've got like four rare lands. Oh yeah, it picks. was unreal. Like, <laughs> like, gotta go, guys. Sorry. So, um, so like I I win my first one, but like the it's Friday Night Magic, so the matches take forever. I literally left myself three hours, and I went one zero. <laughs> so, um, but that was that was like two weeks ago. Um, yeah. and that was the last one I got. But I've, I've been actually playing a fair amount at the Uncommons, yeah. Oh, nice. Good. So. All right. So let, let's talk, let's turn our attention to, to the new set that's going to be added into the draft format, which is Oath of the Gatewatch. Comes out pre-release January 16th. Uh, and the first card we're going to talk about is Kozilek, the Great Distortion. I predict this card, if it doesn't resolve, its ability will resolve. Okay. 100% so it's, it's... of the time. In whatever formats you want. Oh, interesting. An interesting a, a straddler. Yeah. Uh, eight wastes wastes to cast. So that's. Uh, are we calling this wastes wastes? Well, what, what are we going to call it? Col- eight generic. colorless colorless. Colorless colorless. When, yeah. Okay. So when this card. Right. Was, wait, because wastes is not right. Right. When wastes this card was, was just unofficially spoiled, right? It was unofficially spoiled along with the card wastes months ago, right? Yeah. On on a leak. Um, sure, I believe you. Okay. <laughs> For those with a Twitter account, I don't know. I know there was there was quite yeah, a bit yeah, of controversy geez, yeah. in the community in the last couple of weeks, but I don't want to get into that part right now. Um, we could, but uh, but the there was some con- uh, some confusion where people were like, "Oh no, that's specifically the the mana from a waste." Right? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And it's it's, it's in fact call it colorless, any, colorless. Yeah. Any uh, any colorless. So an ancient tomb and and uh, a fair amount of other lands will will do you fine here. Temp- Temple of the False God, one of my favorite magic cards oh, ever. You know how I feel about Temple of the False God. 
Um, yeah, so eight colorless, colorless, let's call it, can bring you a 12-12. Sure. And this card is a legendary creature, Eldrazi. And when, then, yeah, when you cast Kozilek, if you have fewer than seven cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference. So it's a draw. it can be as much as a draw seven if it's and, the last card in your hand. And it has Menace. Oh my god! And it has discard a card with converted mana cost X, counter target spell with converted mana cost X. So it's basically a walking, disrupting shoal. Right. Uh, and uh, I mean, this card is bonkers. When we talk about the best cards in the set, I mean, this card is going to be a sweeping card, and it's going to be a massive card in standard. It's probably going to see modern play. It's right. cheaper than I mean, it's cheaper or on par with a lot of the cards that are played in modern already. Uh, on, on these kind of like Urza type decks, Urzatron can easily cast this, right? So right, oh yeah, for three sure. plus two plus two is um, seven. So you still need another three, and there, like there two are some, towers and there, is fine. There's there's some really good non Urza Eldrazi decks in modern. Now. Oh sure, sure. I, it, my point is, it's easy to cast this. Yeah. Right? So uh, if you're if you're if you're in the market for this, you can either go the rampant growth explosive vegetation route. You can go the Urza's lands route. You can, you can go, also go like the Eldrazi Temple route. You can. Right, you know, you can you could just play all the Eldrazi cost reducers. You could you could go the from beyond route. There there are a lot of yeah. different ways you can get this guy out there. Yeah, yeah. There's a and they're all easy. Um if you if you're just willing to invest in the in the the tools. And even if your opponent's got the disdainful stroke, which that card's gonna go way up in popularity, you're gonna have seven cards at the end. Right. Um right. So, and if you're Ali and, and, you, and you and you draw those cards first, so if you somehow yeah. have a way to in, inter, to interact with that disdainful stroke, if you have you know uh, a uh, a dispel in your in your deck, you might draw it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, you know, if you're Ali Antrazi, former U.S. national champion, aka Ali Eldrazi, um, you might just be playing a blue deck with. <laughs> Uh, right. With Kozilek, and that would be exactly what you're talking about. Counter spells could set him up. I think this card will definitely resolve. His ability is definitely going to resolve. He will resolve. It's going to be massive card standard. I think it'll be playable in modern. Um, so, so this guy's going to go modern standard. Obviously, going to go. People are going to love this guy in commander. Uh, are they? Where, I mean, can you play yeah. him in command? I don't. I mean, I don't you know. just you just play him in your deck. You're not going to play him as your commander. You could play any you, colorless card. Yeah, you can play okay. any colorless card in your deck, and okay. you're going to have everyone has a Sol Ring or. Or a Temple of the False God, or something to make their colorless, ma- you because know, colorless mana is not mind. a not a problem. Are those playable? Format. Wasteland and Strip Mine. Yeah, they Tectonic are. Edge. All right, so yeah, so I think this this guy's probably not going to be played in Legacy because his trigger doesn't work on the the Legacy cost reducers. Like, for example, um, you can, like Sneak Attack or Show and Tell. You could just get a Grizzle Brand, and that's better. Right. So, right. Um, but I mean, I but, don't if know, you, if you, but if you but if you Counterspell yeah. Lockdown is awesome, so. Like, yeah, no, this card's this card's sort of sort of ridiculous. Uh, probably not. I mean, you know, I'm sure it'll get played in limited, but not uh, those cards aren't uh, always amazing in limited. Uh, I mean, it costs ten, right? Yeah, so yeah, the, it's fine. It's the good. bars play cannot it. be dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see. I don't know how. I, I still have, I still don't have a read on how the uh, double oath one pack of, uh, you know, uh, Zendikar is going to be. So. I think we agree on this guy. I think we got to move on, or we're never yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's talk thing. about Endbringer because this is the end of the podcast, right here. End of the uh, podcast. Uh, <laughs> Endbringer, I, I, five colorless for an Eldrazi. Untap Endbringer during each other player's untap step. 
uh, and bring your tap and bring your deals one damage target creature or player. Colorless tap. Target creature can't attack or block this turn. And colorless, colorless tap. Draw a card. 5-5. Five, five. This card's sweet. I just don't know how good it is. So I give 100% agree with your assessment of sweet and probably not good. I, I originally thought this card was going to be awesome, uh, but it's... Uh, in limited, it's going to be unbelievable. We agree there, right? Yeah, yes. Yes, limited. And, and, and I think for sure, like when, whenever you have something that says during each other player's untap step, some, you, you have to look at a card like Commander where you're going to get... I see, yeah. You know, where you're going to get to get you know as many uses out of this card as there are players in the game each turn. Okay, so... Each in, turn cycle. In a group game, this card is Bananas, maybe. Um, in I think in in Standard, and certainly in, in other larger formats, uh, he's, like, a little too killable, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, 30, like, I have a 5-5 five, five for 6, right? That's not... If it's... So, you know, if his name ends in the Tide Star, when they kill him, you get their best thing. That's yeah. not the situation. Where he's, you know, the Morning Star. They kill him, and you tap down all their stuff, and they probably won't get another turn. Um, but this guy, just you cast him, and then they kill him. <laughs> and then you're like, oh. But if they don't there, kill there him, some... you can sink four mana over your turn and your opponent's turn and draw two for, cards. For a minor advantage. <laughs> so, uh, I, I was trying to think maybe you could play him in Eldrazi versus Eldrazi, and he's faster than other high-impact threats, but the problem is the trigger point's at 7, so 6 is a little too cheap. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, not res- I, highly highly likely to resolve in kick-butt and limited, less so in other formats. Okay. Spatial Contortion, 1 in a colorless instant. Target creature gets plus 3, minus 3 until end of turn. So this I- is just a colorless last gasp? Well, no, nameless inversion, right? Nameless inversion, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this is probably the most important card in the set uh, from a deck design perspective. Really? Yeah, and I haven't seen the whole set, but I'm sure it's the most important card. Okay. Why, so, why, why is that? Uh, number one, you can play this in... I'm going to say green, but I use that as a proxy for other for other concepts. This is something Patrick actually... Uh, Patrick Chapin uh, instructed me on. I thought it was obvious that you could play this in mono-green decks where you were already going to have a bunch of colorless lands in your deck. It just probably is a sideboard card. But those those decks can be very powerful, but can also fall behind Jace. So just the ability to kill Jace early in the game sure, is a thing. But any deck that has access to Evolving Wilds, I think the Evolving Wilds will go up in value, you can play one Wastes in your deck, and then you have five sources of easy, fast-to-get Spatial Contortion setup. So spoilers, people are going to be playing Wastes in Standard? Yeah, for sure. Just to cast this card, if nothing else. So Interesting. When you, you can play one Wastes along with Explosive Vegetation or any of the cards like that, right, that search for a basic land, um, and play it. And then the more interesting thing here is if you're playing a blue-white deck, blue-white decks often have good sweepers, often have, um, <clears throat> uh, you know... Uh, powerhouse kind of removal cards you know we have some silk wrap action but silk wraps are not synergistic with say your own ugin you know or people play with dramacus command which is good against silk wrap in those decks decks that are already going to play cards like majoring network crucible of the spirit dragon haven of the spirit dragon etc 
Spatial Consortium is actually a super easy cast in those kind of decks. And for folks like you, who love blue-green, you have Amaya Coasts. Oh. you colorless. Oh, cast. interesting. Okay. That makes total sense. Yeah. yeah so, you forget that those cards can do that yeah, sometimes. There's the superpower of casting Spatial Contortion. So, um, I actually think this is the single most important card for deck design. Not maybe maybe not the highest impact. It's going to be a high impact card, right? This but it's a, gonna, but it's going to it's going to affect the choices you make in your mana base. Absolutely, it's going to people are going to rethink how they how they play Magic: The Gathering from a ground up level for the next two years because so, this card exists. So so compare this card to Nameless Inversion and Standard. Do you think that the, this card's more important because you can play it in any deck? Wait, Nameless Assuming Inversion you was a hugely important card in its day. Right. Right? Yeah. So this is an instant speed card. So I just, just for some context, if you remember back when Patrick did the Corlash deck, I don't know if you remember that when he, his first year back and, and he won yeah. the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. the Michigan Regional Championship. Yeah, I do. Uh, our friend uh, Paul Jordan played that deck in, in our regionals. And we uh, and there was an unusual card in the sideboard, which was Volcanic Hammer. So uh, I worked with Patrick on that deck, and he's like, hey, I keep losing to Scab Clan Mauler. And he's trying to think of all the different things, and he's using tendrils of corruption to try to fight red-green decks. It turns out that that's too slow, or the opponent can kill their own guy in response or something, and you don't gain the life. I said, listen, why don't you just sideboard the card Volcanic Hammer? Volcanic Hammer is one and a red for a sorcery, deal three to a target creature or player, and you can kill their Skyclan Maulers. And he's like, what a stupid idea. <laughs> and it's a sorcery, and it's poopy, and red is my third color. Like, what? It's easy to get red, you know, because you have, like, all these blood crypts or whatever. So we tried it, and it turned out to be exactly the card that deck needed. And Patrick ended up winning the uh, the regional championship, and, and Paul did great with the... Well, he actually, he, he kept killing people with the volcanic hammers, which he thought was funny. You know, that he would side them in against red-green, but would have enough of an advantage some games where he would just have a spare three to six damage in his hand to win the game quickly. This card is wildly better. For purpose of just like a sideboard card of a powerful ponderous deck against a fast beatdown deck. It's an instant. Um, it's easy to get colorless mana. Again, you're going to play cards like Haven of the Spirit Dragon, Crucible of the Spirit Dragon, Majoring Network, any of the Eldrazi lands. You have a Maya Coast. All these cards are going are gonna to be able to help you cast Spatial Contortion. And it's an instant. And it's a giant growth. So if you've got like some kind of guy who has four or greater toughness... Sometimes he's just gonna get in there, right? Right. It's it's very flexible. I mean, we. I mean, we. You know, just have to look back a couple pro tours where uh, searing blood was the card that was keeping Jace Rin's prodigy in check. Oh yeah, you I mean, know. I I, I I remember fondly the days of searing blood and standard. I <laughs> but, almost updated that pro tour. That, that, <laughs> Speaking that's, of idol on triggers, <laughs> you know that's that's a that's a card that's much more difficult to cast. Then spatial contortion. Hell of a payoff on that card, though. Yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, so interesting. Okay. So the the giant growth aspect, just a, an anecdote. Do you remember Scott Johns? Scott Johns, five-time Pro Tour Top 8 competitor. Of course. He, he was the editor of uh, of the Mothership for a while. Yeah, yeah. He was doing a feature match uh, that I did in, I want to say Pro Tour Chicago, something or other, and I was playing, I hate to admit it, I was playing the original Pro Tour Junk deck, which had Humpus Wumpus, in the words of yeah. Gerard Fabiano, you know, Hunted Wumpus, but also Funeral Charm. And I decided in... I don't remember if I had Funeral Charm in my main deck. I don't think I did. I think I cited it in. Uh, and um, I attacked my opponent and, like, double giant growth my Hunted Wumpus to kill a uh, 
a tapped out red opponent. And I was in this spot where either he fire blasts my hunted Wumpus, which will have four toughness on the resolution of two funeral charms, which would put him in a position where he can't win the game, right? Uh, he just has no lands. Uh, and I had enough life that it's fine if he's uh, fire blasting my creature. Or he's dead, right? So he he uh, did not fire blast my hunted Wumpus, or maybe he did. I don't remember that part of the story. I'm pretty sure I killed him. <laughs> and Scott Johns was doing the feature match coverage, and he actually bravo clapped. <laughs> Which you should not do as a sideline reporter, right? Um, you're just like, I can't believe you did that. It was just the coolest thing. You know, the, the funeral charms are there to kill jackal pups, right? Right, right. But instead I used it to kill opponent's face. Uh, and, um, yes, I, I think that the light, the, I'm sorry, not lightning bolt, the, the giant growth half of the spatial contortion is also going to be a wrinkle that is important in standard. Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, so... It's bloodlust, right? You is that remember, is that a legends card? Yeah, don't you remember? You don't didn't you ever play? Is that like plus a, four minus four? It was, it was like plus four minus four, but it couldn't reduce it to less than one, or something like that. It was it would reduce the toughness to one. I, I'm not going to say this very often. Before my time. Oh my god! <laughs> I that, don't know that, that was. One. I mean, people would attack with their birds of paradise. Is that a chronicles card? I think we should. Move it was on. it was from it was from Legends originally. Legend, yeah, but before my time, it was it was reprinted in fourth edition. So that's, okay. that's your that's your. I, I guess it, I well I don't just didn't register. You must have had it in a double sealed deck, copy you know Gray Matter Finals. I mean, maybe. I, yeah, target creature gets. It, it would, would have been one of the seventy five cards I played. You're saying? Yeah, I wasn't very good at limited back then. Target creature gets plus four minus four until end of turn. If this reduces creature's toughness to less than one. Creature's toughness becomes one. Well, <laughs> they didn't want it to be like you know the best removal spell. They didn't want to trump lightning bolt. Can you imagine plus four minus four in red like, <laughs> for R one instant? Yeah, that sounds just, obviously like that sounds like the best card I can imagine. Yeah, you would just like you would bloodlust and then berserk and all that kind of fun yeah, well. stuff. But okay, so spatial contortion first pick in limited probably probably you know yeah I actually, I'm not sure how easily it's going to get. You're going to be able to get colorless and limited. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, wastes. Oh, can you have all are... the wastes you want because they're basic? No, you can't have all the wastes you want. You have to draft the wastes, but uh, there will be abundant wastes to be had, right? I don't know. I don't know. I've yeah. never played the limited format. Yeah. So, well, we'll see. But speaking I, I think of wastes, Walker, Walker the, waste. the wastes. Yeah, uncommon four colorless for a four four. Uh, trample uh, Walker the waste gets plus one plus one for each land you control named wastes. So you can play like a hundred wastes. He's very big. Yeah, I mean this card's fine. Like fine for limited, you'll it's play him. You won't draft him very. No, no, you won't draft him very high. He is not going to. Re- I I do not believe this card will resolve in standard anytime. Uh, Agreed. Uh, Eldrazi mimic. This sounds good. Two, for a rare Eldrazi creature. It's a two-one. Whenever another colorless creature enters a battlefield under your control, you may change Eldrazi mimic's base power and toughness to that creature's power and toughness. Until end of turn. Playable. Certainly play. I mean, do you, do you just like as like, it reminds me a little bit of like, what was it? Riptide Replicator or whatever that guy was. It actually reminds me much more of Den Protector. So Den Protector is one and a G for a two one, right? But nobody sure. plays in that way, right? They play him as a, a Megamorph. Yeah, some, sometimes they do, but yeah. yeah. But that's my point. If you watched uh, how... Platinum Pro Matt Sperling played his 
then protectors in the top eight approach for Vancouver. He kept playing against mono red decks, so yeah. he kept playing his Zen Protectors on turn two just to block. I think that Eldrazi Mimic might have this role of just being played as a two one to not not take damage early in the game, and then he has some payoff later. The problem I have with this guy is I'm having a hard time imagining the deck that wants him. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like he seems like he would be sweet if you had him going. Like if you could just have this card in your deck sometimes, <laughs> but not actually have to dedicate a slot to it, you would always. Oh yeah, I start, I'm down with Eldrazi Mimic, but man. When you're on spell 23 or something, and you're like, well, how much acceleration do I actually need in this piece? This is the kind of guy who's just like, well, I mean, I guess he'll be attacking for 12 if I'm already resolving Kozilek, maybe. What if, you know, that that half doesn't resolve? I I don't know. I think think playable, and I don't know. Well, he's definitely designed. He's definitely designed to time you out with any deck on Magic Online that makes a lot of scions. (laughs) Oh my goodness. <laughs> and you're never going to take that ability, right? Uh, but but you'll get the trigger. You see. Uh, so I mean, I I think I think that this is I, my guess would be. I I think I could see this resolving in standard. Though I could see someone, uh, you know, having a deck that needs to, you know, yes yes you have your spatial contortions, but maybe you feel like you just need more uh, low end against an aggressive deck in your ramp deck. Maybe, and then if this guy lives, then he's gonna just becomes like turns your big Eldrazi's into haste Eldrazi. Well, that's why I'm saying I think like then he's okay as a as a dead protector, right? An off right, yeah. an off label dead protector specifically, right? Not even an on label dead protector. But he's like, but as a central theme of a a deck, what no, maybe no. maybe devoid beatdown? Like maybe you've got a deck like that's got these three twos, or has got like, um. And you play him on turn two, then you play three two haste for RB. Give him sure. colorless attack for six. That might be a thing. Um, sure. Or you can have um, play him in. What's the name of the guy who's like who who gains power for every colorless creature you've got? That oh yeah. Guy? Like like if you've got this guy on the table, then you play that guy, and he becomes the size of that guy, and then then he counts himself right. Then yeah. he, he comes in. I think that might be a thing. That seems kind of restrictive to me in terms of actual power level and standard. I think like you could probably do a very similar thing in black. And I, I don't see do this. That. I, I see this guy like I don't. I don't see this guy getting a leading role. I see him maybe studying the lines of. You know what I mean? Like he's an understudy. Yeah, I, I don't. He's just not. I don't think he's gonna. I think he's playable, and I'm. I'm not sure yet where. But I think when when Tarkir blocks. Rotate. We're gonna have a very different universe, and you know, no siege rhinos, no dig through times. All of a sudden, stuff that seems awesome to us will change soon. Sure, sure. And that's 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 yeah. I can I can I can envision a world where someone has three or four of these in their sideboard. So deceiver of form six and a colorless for an eight eight. That's a good start. Yeah. At the beginning Uh, of combat on your turn, reveal the top card of your library. Oh, I like I like where this is going. If a creature card is revealed this way, you may have creatures you control other than Deceiver of Form become copies of that card until end of turn. You may put that card on the bottom of your library. What if it's a legend? Well, that that would be a problem. <laughs> so they're, they're thinking like, oh, well, everybody, all my scions become Emrakul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be, uh, uh, that would actually probably be fine because you'd have one Emrakul at the end of it and you would attack with it and annihilate them for six. So, <laughs> so, um, 
I don't know. I think this guy is uh, is a little too win more for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna first pick this card probably in a in a you know in a Scion deck for for limited. Well, you're gonna get a Scion deck after you, you don't start with the Scion deck and then decide you're gonna get Seaver. Well, I might see this card card first pick in the second pack, right? Okay, that's fair. But I mean, you also you can also just say, hey, I'm gonna be green black Scions, right? Like I'm gonna just do that thing. Like all of a sudden, all my Scions are even if all my Scions upgrade from one ones to three threes. That's really good. It, maybe I've been unfair to Deceiver Form. Like you could just play them in a regular deck that has a lot of tokens. Like, yeah, yeah. They could be anything from one one goblin tokens, one one soldier tokens. They could be monks, right? And then you just get you just get a random upgrade. Like what if they all but like even if they just became two twos, that would be an upgrade. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I guarantee you I'm gonna resolve this card in limited. I guarantee you I am going to resolve this card in Commander. I could actually see myself putting this in the Spider Spawning deck. Well, that makes a lot of sense in the Spider Spawning deck. <laughs> so. But uh, do you see, do you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the last word on whether or not this card will resolve in Standard. Uh, current version of Standard, which includes Tarkir Block, I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, Post-Tarkir Block might change because uh, if our engines change to more Cyan-based engines, then this guy gets a lot better. Right, but the current engines are not cyan based. Right, the right. current engines are are uh, kind of more land based, and, and you know if if from beyond, etc. If um, you know catacomb sifters or whatever kind of make a make a one one that that produces mana become the norm for accelerating out big guys, this guy gets a lot better than than current conception of the. Of the ramp decks. I mean, right now, I think the best version of the ramp deck doesn't even have Eldrazi's in it, right? It just ramps and casts. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not even playing from beyond or anything yeah, like so, that, right? But you know, that could. I mean, once you have Emrakul and Ulamog. Oh no, I'm sorry, Emrakul. Once you have Kozilek and Ulamog and Ugin and you know all these powerful high end colorless cards potentially playing. Together, you just don't, you just don't have room for something like this. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the world changes. I, I just I don't know. I, Although, I, I would say right now, no. In a right. few months, maybe. Although, if you have like the ability to like sort of manipulate the top of your deck somehow, which I'm I'm not sure what that would be, you know, you could see where it could become <clears> super <throat> powerful. Imagine a card like the next card, Munda's Vanguard. Well, the thing is, you need a bunch of creatures to get any payoff from Deceiver Form. Yeah, so, like, no, no, I agree. It's actually agree. better in a mid range deck, maybe, than in a huge creature deck, right? right? Like anything that just turns your science from one ones to three threes, like you said, actually yeah. gets paid off now. But yeah. like a deck that has four creatures in it right no you're just never getting paid off so yeah. it's just there's no point in in the current conception of standard right yeah um, imagine some scenario where you were able to reveal munda's vanguard on the top of your deck and were able to take a turn off and tap all your untapped ally oh never mind oh so munda's vanguard is four and a four, w four, four and a w Here, here's all i'm gonna say about munda and all the cards named munda something right yeah it just takes me back to brooklyn growing up and some cuisine, you know, going, hey, you ever try Munda cheese? <laughs> Next, shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> two and a W for a sorcery. Support two. Support is a new mechanic. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. So I guess like support 15, be able to do uh, plus one, plus one on 15 creatures. Right. Draw a card. This card is unplayable in Constructed. It is, however, interesting looking in Limited. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a great it's a great combat trick. Unlimited keeps you moving through. What's well, not a combat? It's a sorcery. Oh, it's a sorcery. You're yeah. right. I'm sorry. And, so, I mean, if it were a, if it were an instant, this card would be. It just has the Sky Games rule, you know the yeah, what, yeah. what Huey Jensen says. Yeah. Everything wrong with Magic is Sky Games. Um, yeah, you, you cannot fool your opponent with this by accident, forcing right, right. him to not want to play uh, Magic anymore. I, I guarantee you, somebody will play this instant speed at the pre-release. It feels like it feels like an instant, right? Like, <clears throat> yeah, be, you know what I mean. I mean, I don't even think it would be that good as an instant, but yeah. like it would, it would certainly be backbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, a bloodbath waiting to happen. Even a blood. The problem is, it's been it's been thirteen years, and that bloodbath still hasn't happened. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, yeah. This card's fine. This card's still fine and limited, though. I mean, even 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 not as a. It's not insane. You're never gonna. I don't think you'd ever first pick this. But you know, it's like a travel preparations, right? It's you know what I mean. It's I, it's I think, it's a fine card. I think it's time to move on to a card that might resolve. Stonehaven Outfitter, one and a W for a two two. And uh, no. <laughs> equipped creatures you control get plus one plus one. Okay. Whenever an equipped creature you control dies, draw a card. So he is a walking skull clamp. This card's really interesting. So, I mean, I think some combination of like scions or other cheapy bobeepies and any kind of cheap to equip equipment and some combats and stuff. I think this card, this card might be. A centerpiece card. Yeah, this card's super... I mean, and it's not a legend, so you can have multiples of them in play. Wow. Um, I think this card... He's he's very skull clampish. I mean, they, I think they were very careful not to make him too good. Right? He's he's 2-2 two, two for 2. Doesn't search through your library put a card into play for free. Doesn't do that. But if you've got, like, I mean... I don't know, the, like a bone splitter or something would be right. Would be bonkers with this guy. Uh, is there anything good and cheap enough and standard that you could actually go off with this guy? Uh, not sure yet. I don't think there's anything good enough, but maybe in some format where there's cheaper equipment. Let's see. I'm just doing a quick. Like I think he certainly has some kind of future state impact maybe be in some kind of weird engine you know so so ghost fire blade is pretty cheap uh ghost fire blade costs one and to equip it to a colorless creature costs one equipped creature gets plus two plus two that was a card that was played in the top eight of uh pro tour vancouver yeah um Heart piercer, heart piercer, heart piercer bow is two and costs one to equip. Hedron blade is one and two. Sort of the animus is a playable card. Oh yeah, I I like that card a lot actually. <clears throat> um, I think sort of the animus is our, our best bet. But I I I don't know. I don't think this guy's going to have an immediate impact. But I think he's Ooh. he has some stuff that too too good to not pay a little attention to. What about what sigil of, sigil of valor? No one plays that. I know no one plays that, but it's two mana. Yeah. One to equip. So once it's in play, it just moves around for one. But it's also, you get this ability, like, okay, I attack, this creature attacks alone. It gets plus one, plus one for each of my other creatures. So it has it can, can sort of take on that little bit of an abyss quality. And then, you know, if, you, if it's a scion or if it's like what you're talking, you know, 
you're like, okay, sacrifice my scion to equip it to another creature at the end of the turn, at the end of combat. Draw a card. So you can get in there the first time, and they're not going to block it, right? Because they're I mean, they don't want to give they... you the satisfaction. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You could just draw six cards if you have six scions. Yeah. I, I think that might be a that might be a thing. I think I, I, my point is I think this card is certainly this card going certainly on. card makes me look at from beyond again. Like some sort of weird, some green-white tokens deck, similar to maybe what, uh, you know, you know, I don't even know, but, you know, I, w- I would try something. So like I, I think that that's a possibility. You need a puncher somewhere that, that's really going to do something for yeah. you. Because when we see some of the blue and the red cards, like, they're fast, powerful, and high impact all at the same time. Sure. And, sure. like, just a small amount of incremental advantage coming from engines that are quite dedicated in in how much how much weight you're putting against them is is not going to is not going to get you there when you're talking about competing with with cards like Jory and Ruin Diver for example. So, sure. Um, but but you but you you see this card resolving in standard uh this maybe. card is it's something if some stuff falls like it's hard to it's hard to deny the idea of a scion one mana equipment and this guy all working together with like a bunch of scion access. That seems pretty exciting. But you need something at the end of it, right? Like it can't just be like, oh, I sacrificed my scion and drew a card. You're just trading something for something else. Right. I mean, is a card in hand better or worse than a scion? Maybe slightly better than a scion, but not like like a random card in hand is not always better than a scion, right? Sure. 14th planes is not better than a scion. So um, that's, uh, I, I think, I think too, too good to ignore not good enough to say definitely will resolve. Yeah. Okay, and I and I think the thing to look for here is any equipment that you can move for one. Yeah, and or therefore cheaper. with and or or cheaper, but but in general the threshold is going to be one because of scions. Yeah. So the scion can always sacrifice itself to re-equip to another creature, and you get you know that that uh, you get to draw a card for. It. So like if you think about this like the most extreme situations, right? Let's say you have a class not class healer. What's the other guy? The guy with the chainsaw. Oh, my brain isn't working. The chainsaw yet. version of Calastria Healer, whatever his name is. Um, Azula Port Cutthroat. Azula Port Cutthroat. This guy and a hundred scions, you win the game, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's uh, that's that's not like you are. You need a hundred scions to make that work. Right? So, okay, someone with a hundred scions is already in a great position. Right? Sure. That's the, yeah, you could have just attacked. Them. Yeah, like it's so it's a little. Eh. You need a big thing to punch yeah. through, but if you have the tools, then all of a sudden it's awesome. Like I think that's. Uh, I, I think I think the listeners probably know where we're going on this one. Yeah, let's move on to immolating glare, which is one in W, instant destroy target attacking creature. Uh, this is just going to be awesome in standard and in limited. I think. Yeah. Why is this better than? Uh like deal four damage oh you know the the gideon card from the last set deal four damage to target attacking creature or blocking creature destroying attacking creatures is better than dealing four damage to blocking creatures sure i mean like, like what if you're getting attacked by a creature with five or more toughness sure this is much better than that right so yeah i mean there are a lot of variations right there's like destroy target tapped creature for example which doesn't see a huge amount of play but that that was more uh, uh i'm sorry sacrifices a, a attacking creature is different that I think this card is similar to other cards that are available, and that maybe they'll be played in a mix. Right. Um, I think that this card is very, very good. 
uh, for when you're let's like just generally speaking, if your opponents are playing with creatures with toughness for five or greater, then this gives let's say for example a blue white deck a different option uh, than spatial contortion. Like spatial contortion is better for killing Jace, and this is much better for killing a dragon lord. Yeah, so I was right, just going to so. say, uh, Dra- Dra- Dragon Lord Ojitai seems like a fine target for this. So yeah, they're they're. I think like it just depends. Like these kind of decks generally need to have a different mix of of cards that they play with at certain certain points that can deal with different kinds of threats, and then they use they use their Jace friend's prodigy to select the one that's relevant in the matchup, and then discard the one that's not relevant in the matchup. Right. Yeah. That's that's their goal, or they they. Yeah you know, get rid of them with dig through times or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, ba- it's basically, uh, you know, obviously uh, a, a condemn variant, right? I mean, for twice the mana, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, <clears throat> that's the variation. I mean, <laughs> the variation is much worse. <laughs> I mean, Antonino De Rosa, who was a U.S. national champion, you know, Grand Prix champion many times over Pro Tour Top 8 better, said that condemn was consistently the best card. In uh, in formats that it would say standard formats that it was legal, so you know that that I think this card will do a fair amount of work. I think it's just you know uh, uh, when I say awesome, I mean it's gonna it's always punching above weight for the sure. most part. And I think I, mean, it's, I don't think it's gonna be a four of main deck in every deck that can tap for W. I think that it will be played and it will make top eights. That's one. That's my that's my bar. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, obviously a uh, obviously gonna be first pick material and limited. Yeah. You just you just you just take this card. I I don't think it'll get played very much, Commander. You you see this card getting played in Legacy? No. I mean, not Legacy Modern, I should say. Probably not. There's still Path to Exile in Modern, right? Right. And if you're getting attacked, you're probably getting attacked by a thousand Splinter Twin copies anyway, so it won't matter. I think this will be <laughs> playable in Standard and playable in Limited. Okay. Uh, Call of the Gatewatch, two W Sorcery. It's a rare. Search your library for a Planeswalker card, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. So it's idyllic tutor for Planeswalkers. Interesting. Uh, probably playable. I'm not... Yeah, let me tell you something about it. We could just get this out of the way right now. Commander, this card's a slam dunk. Yeah. People are going to love this card. You're going to see this card all the time in Commander. Uh, limited, obviously, you're going to see it. It's going to resolve if you have a great Planeswalker and you just want to be... You know, I don't even know. Maybe you don't play it. In limited? <laughs> I mean, I guess you will. I if mean, you have a great like, Planeswalker, you play it. Yeah, I know. I guess you don't care if you draw it after you draw in your great yeah. Planeswalker. You're never going to have two Planeswalkers. But uh, what about standard? Where, where do, you, do, you, do you... Is this... I, my current conception of standard, this card doesn't see a lot of play. I think there's probably... It's too, it's too slow, right? Some kind of decks might want it. Like, so the biggest bar is the best Planeswalkers are creatures. So right. You can't get Jace or Nissa with this. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, what you really want to do is play your Jace on turn two, not cast Call of the Gatewatch on turn three in the hopes of casting a future Planeswalker while you're getting attacked by, like, 107-7 Goblin Tokens, right? That's just not what you're going to do. Um, so I, I think, like, probably playable somewhere. Current conception of standard is not going to see a lot of play, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but it, this is like an effect that people like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, this card, this card is, this card is going to be, I think, probably one of the most, uh, one of the most played cards from the set in Commander. Actually, if, if this card were one in a W, I think we would have a different conversation. Yeah, you know, like yeah, you could get the new Nissa, for example, on Curve, but the new Nissa costs three, right? So 
uh, Nissa Voice of Zendikar costs three. Like, yeah. The whole point of playing a card like that is that it costs three, so you play it the turn before your opponent right. has a yeah. super high impact card. So if you take that turn to cast Call of the Gatewatch, then you actually are obligating yourself to get a four mana Planeswalker, basically. Um, or something like that, right? So the, the only thing I can say is, like, what about what about some sort of, like, Esper-colored deck with, like, an Ugin? Or two Ugins? Or... So- you can get you can use this to get Gideon. You can use this to get Sorin. Like there are great four mana Planeswalkers in Standard, but like I just find it hard to believe that I'm going to take my third turn to get a Sorin, cast the Sorin on the fourth turn, and not be blown out in this game. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like that's just. I mean, if, if, unless I went like duress point removal card, this card Sorin. I think I might not. Even, I might still be behind if my opponent just goes like inoffensive siege rhino on those turns. I'm just dead. Right. Right. Like, Right, I'm so far. Back. What am I going to do? Like, make a two-two vampire? Like, right. it's just, it's just, I can't win, right? Like, or if, like, God forbid, my opponent goes like, uh, uh, hordling outburst, attack with attack the turn that I cast for my cast my sword. You know, wild slash my vampire token, kill me with a with a combo kill, right? It, the, it's just not going to happen in standard right now. So stuff has to change. And I think, I think like, you know, not being siege rhino or something has to be one of the things that is out of the equation. And under my, I mean, what are you going to do? Get the, what's the blue green guy? What's her name? Kiora? Kiora. It's just, you're just not going to win the game doing this. Like yeah. your opponent's turn three, turn four plays are just too high impact. Like, right. <laughs> your, opponent, just, your opponent goes turn three, uh, Anafenza. Yeah, like, you're, you're like they're like Anafenza. You go call the Gatewatch. Call the Gatewatch. Go get whatever six planeswalkers you want. <laughs> you got them, and they're like in Siege Rhino. Go. What play do you have on turn four where you are not doomed to the ruinous path that's in their hand? Yeah. Right, like that's the. All right, I want to talk about a different card then because this is a card people were super excited about online. But yeah. it feels to me almost like it's on the other end. Like it feels like, you know, a little expensive. I mean, people call it comparing it to timely reinforcements. Linvala the Preserver, four yeah. WW legendary creature angel. It's a mythic, flying five five. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, uh, if an opponent has more life than you, you gain five life. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more creatures than you, put a three three white angel token with flying onto the battlefield. So, I think this card is way overrated from the common common uh, reactions in on Twitterland or whatever. I think this card will probably be good, but I think that it's not like, you know, Nuclear Winter has just fallen uh, on the opponent, uh, you know, from a, a series of bombs from your six mana. This is the way that, that some people think. Like, I, I think I was like the first guy to brood Mate Dragon seriously in Standard. You remember when I was Broodmate Dragoning? Yeah, of course. Well, be, well before it was brood, be, being played in, in the, the Grixis and five-color decks, I was playing in Jun decks before there was Bloodbraid Elf, a.k.a. Jun decks that no one else played. Yeah. So, um, and Broodmate Dragon's a really good card, and the reason that it was good is because it gave you some offense against other slow decks. That card is kind of too slow to defend you against getting beat down. All right? So you have an interesting situation with Linvala here. If you're behind on life... It gains five life. 
But how far behind on life are you, right? If you're one point behind on life, you know, there are a lot of matchups where the point of the, being behind on life is completely irrelevant. Like when you're playing against another slow deck, for example, right? So if you're, if you're playing against a fast beatdown deck, the five life might not be enough. If you're behind on creatures, so the thing is, if you're behind on life and creatures and you cast this and the game isn't already over, then this card is super high impact, right? right. It's spectacular, man. But the, like, there are a lot of times where it's just not that good, and it costs six. So, like, if you have like a comparably a comparably themed card, let's say, not comparably powerful, because this card is is very very powerful when it's on its best, that costs like three or something, it'd be unbelievable, right? But I I, I don't know. Like the time, the reason timely reinforcements was so backbreaking was because first of all, it was played <laughs> in an era when people had pikes and swords, right? So. Those those tokens actually did something offensively with pikes and swords um, after they were resolved, but it was cost three mana, so like you're a little behind and suddenly you're a lot caught up. And this guy, his catch up or her catch up, I should say, at six might not be enough. When she's on her best, she's better than a broodmate dragon, except she's a legend. So you can't even stack her with, like, in a lot of the games that you won with Broodmate Dragon, you're on your heels, but you cast two or three Broodmate Dragons in a row, and then all of a sudden you had, like, a bunch of dragons, and then you were stabilizing and had some offense. But, you know, her triggers are maybe, and she can't play a second one. So I think definitely will resolve. Definitely high impact sometimes. Not... This is not the nuclear weapon for defending yourself that some people think that it is. It's, it's like a card that you would play, not a card right. that changes the universe. I think Spatial Contortion, defensively, is a card that changes the universe. Right. I do not think this card is on the same level. Yeah. This card, a card super going to be super fun in Commander where you get to pick an opponent. <laughs> you know, you have multiple opponents to choose from. You can always, almost always make sure you get both triggers and you have the opportunity to play with things like Momentary Blink or, you know... Uh, anything that's going to bounce, you know, you get, you have the time to do all those kind of cool, fun magic things. Yeah. But you know, not yet. Yeah, not, not something I see. And, and obviously this card's going to be insane and limited, but this card stinks to me of a card that they were afraid of making it too good for constructed. That's the, like, cause it's so close to being insane. Right. But like, it's on the wrong side of the line from insane to maybe not that good. That's, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I just I can I can picture the feature match with yeah. this, you know, and someone just never getting to their six mana to get out from under I, it. You know what I mean? Like, like you've watched so many important matches where your your opponent's your opponent, the guy you're watching, his hand is clogged with awesome cards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah. never they never do anything because yeah, he's gotten not... beat down by the third turn and offensive, fourth turn siege rhino. When you can pass that bar, you tell me how Linvala works for you. Yeah, I'm not I am I am not in love with this card. Uh, General Tazri, this is another card people were pretty excited about. Uh, not necessarily for, for standard, but for like commander, since this card has a color identity of Wooberg because of its ability. So you can play it in a, it's a new card you can play in the five color decks. Uh, 4W, legendary creature, human ally. It's a 3 4. When General Tazri enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an ally creature card reveal it put it into your hand then shuffle your library so pretty exciting whenever you play it you get to get another ally so if it's your commander for example you know you get to play it and then you get to search for another card and then it has an ability wooberg activate ally creatures you control get plus x plus x until end of turn where x is the number of colors among those creatures 
So I agree like, this is not exciting for standard. Yes. <laughs> Full not agreement. Very, not, not very exciting for limited. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe if your ally count is low. Uh, but, but uh, you know, certainly coming to a command zone near you. Um, I, I may, I may, I may build a command, an ally commander deck with this. Well, so uh, this is what I want to do. We're at like an hour about already, and yep. we're not going to get through all of the currently. It's not realistic to get through all the currently spoiled cards from Oath of the Gatewatch. So we could stop at white, and then commit a resolution to do more more castos this week, which I think we can accomplish. Sure. A lot of exciting stuff to talk about. But why don't we each pick one card to talk about for, for this and then talk a little Star Wars. That's what I want to do. <laughs> you pick Oath of Nyssa. Yeah, I mean, uh, Oath of Nyssa was my preview card uh, on, uh, on <laughs> Friday. Uh, it is this example of, you know, the shift away. I mean, do you remember when Blue got all the cool one-mana cantrips you know like you know you would always just see like a serum visions or a ponder or a sleight of hand or and the, and those cards have gone away from blue we don't really see them in blue is taxi and probe the last card we saw like that in blue um i don't know i mean i i think that blue's still got jace for you know, yeah yeah no, it gets, it gets, standard, it gets, yeah it gets which is basically like uh... i'm just talking about cards that are simply card selection cards that don't have like necessarily a, a body to them so or some awesome cheap card that has to get banned in every format yeah standard yeah and, i mean so ponder those... was the last one it was in standard like three years ago and, and those cards have shifted obviously to green where you've seen cards like you know mul- you know where they become different right they become like ancient stirrings or mulch or whatever um mostly i mean i know i said ancient stirring, but most of them have been like two green you know green and another mana or whatever but oath of nissa is is an interesting card it's a single green uh, it's an ench- a legendary enchantment, uh, and when it comes into play, when it enters the battlefield, you get to look at the top three cards of your library and put a creature, land, or planeswalker from among them into your hand, uh, in, uh, on top of your, into your hand, and put the other two on the bottom of your library. So, the, because of the various types of cards that you can get with this, such a wide variation in the color combination that you're in, this is going to have an absurd hit rate, right? It's going to hit close to 100%. Like, well, you're not going to, like, you know, like a couple of people are going to have it, not a creature, green, not a land, and not, you know. I called it a green ponder yesterday, and someone's like, well, you know, it can't get instants or sorceries. And I'm like, shut listen, up. Listen, if you put this in a deck full of instants and sorceries, you're dumb. You, dumb. you got what you deserved. <laughs> like, it's, so but here's the thing having a hit rate that's very high isn't necessarily make a card good enough to play, but getting your second land is really good. <laughs> Well, it was it was pretty interesting to me. There were a couple of there were a couple modern players on my uh, Twitter feed who who really singled this out as like a modern staple. When we were talking about it yesterday, you know that that ability to just sort of you know dig through your deck, sort of keep keep up with the blue decks that are pondering and sleight of handing. Um, but also, you know, it has another ability on top of that. It it basically serves as a prismatic omens for planeswalkers. Yeah, but who cares? Well, what about what about casting a Liliana the Veil? on turn three without necessarily having double black mana. Oh, I guess that would make you care. You know, that you were able to search for on turn one or turn two with your Oath of Nyssa. So, do you think that you could play, like, four Oath of Nyssa in standard, then if you get, like, a redundant Oath of Nyssa, who cares? Because you just replace the other one. And well, if, if you're... Well, as... keep, keep in mind that if you're playing with Tarmogoyfs in your deck, redundant Oath of Nyssas are pretty sweet. 
Um, because because they put an enchantment in your graveyard. Because it's legendary. I think this card is high playable. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I think it's high playable. Uh, I think some people are going to play it as two of. I think that it's playable as a four of because who cares if it's legendary? You can just replace it. Kai, right? Kai, Kai called it a two of on Twitter. Sam thought he was crazy and said, "If you're gonna if you're gonna play it, you're gonna play it as like a four of." Um, I mean, I, I think that Kai isn't necessarily crazy for that reason. I think my my <laughs> first instinct was that it was a two of. I think that you could play it as a four of probably for the same reasons that that Sam is saying, and I think that it's probably possibly an engine card uh, for the reason that that you were saying that you could actually there's probably going to be decks I hate to say they're fun decks right that try to play off color planeswalkers with this sure but I I think uh, I I don't think you need to necessarily play the off color planeswalkers like I think a a card that's challenging to play on turn three in a deck that has maybe a base green like Liliana of the Veil is a perfect example or you'll see you've seen a lot of decks that are you know uh, you know, doing the five color planeswalker thing where they're where they're you know they've got they stretch their mana fixing to include you know oh I really want to get this uh, a Johnny Vengeant into my deck you know what I mean like you know I want to I want to be able to play a Johnny Vengeant I have this real specific role for it and I want to be able to cast it when I when I when I you know want and with this card you can cast it whenever you want um high playable I think yeah that we're gonna I, 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 I agree do, I do in too. that. There are a, a bunch of different places that it's going to be played that we are not yet anticipating. It's, be... it's, it's, it's shockingly better than Oath of Jace. <laughs> um, Who would have picked that? Like, here's the thing. No one was even, like, even high on playing Jace Friends Prodigy at all when that set first came out. And then it, you know, a few months later, it turns out it's the best card in Standard. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to count out anything that has the word Jace on it. <laughs> uh, that's not the card that I want to pick. for. Okay. Mine is Eldrazi Obligator. Eldrazi Obligator is 2 and an R for a, uh, a creature Eldrazi. It has Devoid. So this is a colorless creature, uh, even though it has an R in the top right corner. And it has uh, it's a 3-1 with haste. All good things, right? I mean, it has an additional, quite a long line of text. When you cast Eldrazi Obligator, you may pay one and a colorless if you do. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature, and it gains haste until end of turn. So this is a card that is going to be bananas, I think, in standard. I think um, it will be played on turn three as, like, essentially a Bogart Ram Gang, and then it will be played on turn five as essentially a Zealous Conscripts. Wow. And it's basically... But not high at both roles, and it will be played in beatdown decks as a kind of thing when your opponent plays their Linvala and they think they're going to get off because they have a Linvala, and then you're like, no, in fact, <laughs> thank you for that Gigundo guy, that was fun. Or it's going to be just played on turn three to put them in the situation where they need the Linvala, <laughs> and it's going to be played in powerhouse decks, and it's going to kill, it's going to dive bomb kill people's planeswalkers when they're not looking for that to happen. And oh, it, what what about when someone casts their Ulamog and they're like, haha, <laughs> I will just attack you and deck you. Yeah, no, you're going to do that to them and also hit them for an additional three. Um, so I think this card is just three points of rubbins. I, th- I think this card is just 
insane. Like, you could wow. play it in, like, red-green Eldrazi, and you could just put pressure on your opponent. Like, a lot of the time when you're you're playing slow deck against slow deck, the strategy for both players is to get slower, right? So, like, oh, I'm playing against another slow deck. I'm going to play more cards that cost more mana or interact with their high casting cost cards, for example, Disdainful Strokes, right? Like, right. that's what I'm going to do. But instead, you're just like, I'm going to side an Eldrazi Obligator and slow against slow, and I'm going to attack you on turn three with it and see if you can react because you've taken out all of your point removal, right? And then you're going to have, like, a couple of powerful guys at the top end, and I'm just going to take one and kill you with it because that's what Eldrazi Obligator does. Yeah. And I think this card is unbelievable, and I think that most of the cards that people say are one of the best cards in the set are way less good than this card. Well, remember, remember we were talking a few seconds ago about the idea of, like, I was envisioning watching some match where someone has, like, the Linvala clogged in their hand. Yeah. I now just imagined that they finally drew their sixth land, and they've played it, and they thought that they stabilized, and then they lose to this card. I mean, like, what if your opponent's <laughs> like, all right, play my Linvala thing, and then they're like, oh, in response, it's Harkus Charm. I mean, sorry, it's Harkus Command. Like, nug you for three, and you don't gain life. Okay? <laughs> so, or like, all right, I still have the three-three. I'm like, also... Shock that guy with a fiery impulse still at the end of your turn. Untap, take your Linvala, attack for eight. Yeah, which is really cool. 11, which is actually really 16. <laughs> so <laughs> basically, I 16'd you instead of you getting uh, instead of you getting a 5-5 five, five, and a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, was, I was medium excited about this card, but I'm actually, you know, you know I, I hadn't parsed it as just a Zealous Conscripts or a Bogart Ram Gang. It's just, just two different cards that I have top aided. <laughs> <laughs> Pro Tour qualifier level of events with in construct. This card is bananas, and it is so much better than most of the cards that people think are one of the best cards in the set. Like wow. it's it's crazy good. Like any, I'm not you know you just say oh they're an idiot if they do they're not an idiot if they do this they just have like a strategy and their strategy doesn't always pan out. But people are like, oh, I'm going to play for my expensive thing. Like, even tapping out for your Planeswalker can be the expensive thing. You go like, I'm going to have a Planeswalker, and my Planeswalker defends himself. For example, I have Gideon, right? And Gideon gives me a token to block with, right? Right. And I can go, all right, you go turn four, Gideon token. I go turn five, Eldrazi Obligator. Take your guy, right? Oh, yeah. No, I can see, I can see countless situations where, you know, the player on the draw has played a four-man of Planeswalker, right? Be it Gideon, Soren, whatever, you know made a token, done something to sort of, like, hide for a turn uh, to, to, you know, to keep their Planeswalker alive, and then just, yeah, instead, instead you know, you, you, you untap for your turn five on the play, and you just bash them. And just forget about the fact if you're playing Black-Red Beatdown, and you have cards like Nantuko Husk, right? Oh, like, yeah. Like, you could just play, like, a there are other sacrifice outlets you could play in that color combination. You're just, like, a Husk Threaten deck. I mean, I don't know. Like, this card just seems... The fact that you could just Bogart Ram Gang them so often is what makes it so good to me. Because if you play this card, with, for example, with um, Culligan's Command, right? And you're like, get in there with Eldrazi Obligator. They kill it at some point. You're like, rebuy. The kill your guy, rebuy Eldrazi Obligator, kill you, is going to be a very common play pattern. Right? Eldrazi Obligator got in. They used a resource to kill it, like somewhere between turn three and turn seven or whatever. You call against command to kill their blocker or to make them discard the last card in their hand that they were going to, like, defend themselves with or whatever. You get your obligator back, and then he punches above weight as usual. Right? Like, 
he's just naturally built for everything that you want to do. And I think that he's so good that he's going to upgrade Culligan's command to a four of in some decks. Wow. I mean, like, I don't know. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, no, I mean, you, you make, you make a very compelling case for it. I, I, uh, I'm, pr- I'm pretty excited about the card right now. Man, just like, look at all these expenses. I mean, I like the card to begin like... with, but like, you know, thinking about it in that, in that framework, I mean, yeah, I can, I can easily see this card becoming a, well, you know, I mean, I could also just see it like, you know, in a number of different decks, right? Like, I, I don't know how hard it is for the red decks to play this. Right. But like red decks have won a couple of pro tours. They don't lose a ton. They're, you know, it's not like they're getting worse. Last either. thing. Last thing. Let's say your opponent has Kozilek and your plan is to Eldrazi Obligator for five, right? And they, yeah. of course, they have Kozilek, so they discard a three to counter your Eldrazi Obligator. Yeah. Read, the, read what the card says. Oh, gosh. You so still this... get the Kozilek. Oh, my gosh. This is just cast. Yeah. This, this has an actual Eldrazi cast trigger. I didn't even see that. Now, what do you think? Oh, my gosh. Wow. There's no outs. This that card is, is that too is some, that, insane. That, that card is legitimate for Munda Cheese. Right? It's just better than... It's insane. This is probably my favorite card. In this. I can't imagine liking a card better than this card. It wow. just does that everything card... you would ever want in like three different decks, and it's an awesome sideboard card. That Boy, and I, I mean, it's funny. I, I, I'm picturing this card going right into the, uh, into the Vintage Cube, too. This card is the first card I would consider sideboarding in Eldrazi against Eldrazi matchups. There was already a version that was red-green Eldrazi before the green-blue versions got popular. Right. Right? Like, you, like, there's just so much reason to play. For example, you could just play Dragonlord Atarka in those decks, and that's in your colors, and it's actually better than a lot of the Eldrazi options at similar cost. So there's already an incentive to playing red. But, like... If you're just going to, like, if your opponent's just like, ha ha, I have Kozilek, I can counter everything in your hand. And you're like, ha ha, Eldrazi Obligator, good game, idiot. <laughs> that is, uh, is where, where I, I think this card is just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, no, I, uh, that card has just gone up tremendously in my opinion. I, I um, you know... <laughs> That card's really good. Yeah, it's just so every time someone's like, oh, this must be one of the best cards in the set, put it up against Eldrazi Obligator in your mind for a second, and then see which one is better. So, uh, Star Wars. Yeah, I loved it. I also loved it. I I loved it. Uh, You know, even with... uh, The massive plot holes. No, I I don't give a... I mean, have you watched Star Wars? All right, so... They they get... in, in, In... in Star Wars, they get in, in the original three Star Wars, they get out of their spaceship in an asteroid. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> you know, they're like, "Hey, we're in an asteroid. Let's the get out of our spaceship." Would have killed them, even if there was an atmosphere, <laughs> right? Even, even right, like, they're walking around. Yeah, how can they walk around? <laughs> Let's just open up the hatch, Chewie. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. um... Yeah, I forgot about that. And that's one of the best movies of all time. Empire Strikes Back. So uh, you could, I, I, or are we going to spoiler it all? Or are we just going to say that we liked it? Uh, I would rather, I would rather not spoil it. All right. All, so let's not spoiler it. I just want to say I was actually very dis, not disappointed. I was very not satisfied with it 
But I recognize that my personal satisfaction with the movie has nothing to do with how well-crafted the movie was. And that Abrams just wanted to make his Star Wars story and didn't necessarily want to make the one that I was waiting for, right? Oh, interesting. That, so, like, in this, this movie did nothing to scratch my itches specifically, and I can still recognize that it was a good movie. What, what, did you, what, what were you looking for? Some resolution around Luke. I mean, not, you know, there's just nothing there. I think the one thing that I would say is a harsh criticism of the movie, which I think other people who have, you know, some people are like, oh, this is a bad movie, I'm going to criticize it. The criticism I would make of the movie is that the prequel trilogies were not all bad. That, like, they were not good, but they did good things. And that the very first moment of episode one, right, is that you see a competent Qui-Gon Jinn and a competent young Obi-Wan Kenobi sent to a planet to, to take care of a to take care of a problem. In the original trilogy, in episodes four, five, and six, we only see either an untrained Luke Skywalker or old men, very old men, in some cases crippled old men, as Jedi slash Sith, you know, force wielders. Yeah. At the beginning of episode one, we see what the a Jedi were supposed to be. You could send two Jedi, they could go take care of an entire planet by themselves. And that the theme of the, of the, of the prequel trilogy is that a single Jedi or two Jedi can solve massive amount of problems. Because they're so competent, right? Right. Two Sith are required. Maximum you need two Sith. Maybe like a robot helper or something to take over an entire galaxy. Like I do think that the wonderment of how powerful the Jedi are, or Force wielders in general, or people who can wield a, a laser sword to take over a planet, is lost in this movie. And that there's just no, there's no semblance of a young person who's not crippled... With a, with a lightsaber and access to the Force, being able to do truly amazing, powerful things, which in the prequel trilogy, they did left, right, and center. Effortlessly, like, oh, you know, somebody said, you know, an army is coming after this planet. Don't worry. Me and my sidekick with laser swords can take care of this army. Right? That, that was the... And it's not just that it's ridiculous. It's that this was the universe that they were living in. And that that was the expectation of the Jedi. And that... That's what we wanted to see, right? I, I mean, so, so, so this is going to get slightly spoilery. So if you yeah. haven't seen the movie, just tune out. We're done talking about magic. But, uh, I mean, you don't feel like the, 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 the scene on, on the, the surface of the planet with Finn and with Rey, where, where they're, they're fighting against... Uh, you really Ryan want to Kent? talk about this? I thought we weren't going to get spoilery. I, I, said, I warned people. I said, okay. I said well, I'm saying, but I'm saying you don't, you don't think that that is... Emo Kylo and, and, Ren, who oh, is I the calling dis- Rilo Ken. <laughs> or Emo Rilo Kylie, uh, who's the descendant of Vader, blah, 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 blah. His mom is basically the girl version of Luke Skywalker, a.k.a. the most powerful force wielder of all time, according to George Lucas. Cannot defeat an untrained janitor with no force access. Like, barely. I, but I he think must the be the worst the Sith Lord is- in the history of, of time. The indication here is that, A, the Force is so powerful in those two that they are able to go toe-to-toe with him. But I think also— In Finn? In Ray, sure, but in Finn, what what, what first thing did Finn ever do? Keep keep in mind, also, that Ken and Barbie, whatever his name is, was shot with Chewbacca's crossbow. Yeah, I get it. That's just an excuse. Well, it is. It's a it's a plot device. Okay, it's an he was, I he get was, it. He was he was like effectively mortally wounded by that. I mean, and can use the was was using the force to keep himself 
together. So he was not fighting at full strength. Kid Ben Kenobi, before he became a master, before he became a knight, was able to kill, I don't even know how many, like, Sith Force wielders. Jumping, he was, like, jumping off of platforms, flipping all over the place. Like, he, if you put him and Qui-Gon or him and Mace against a thousand droids, there was no doubt about who was going to come out on top. Sure. Okay? A thousand droids. And you could put them in situations where, like, it's defined at the beginning of the fight that they have no weapon that can pierce the droid's armor and or their confined space that's full of poison gas with no masks. There is no doubt who's coming out on top. Emo Rilo Kylie cannot beat an untrained janitor without a lot of help. Okay? It's just... I, 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 I don't know. Like A, a combat-trained janitor. It, it, my, but he could barely beat a stormtrooper in single combat when wielding, a, when wielding a lightsaber. And by barely beat, I mean he couldn't. He needed help from Han. So, the, so all I'm saying here is I like the movie. I think that the movie had a lot of good things about it. I would say definitely it's a plus, not a minus in the, in the movie-watching you know, mental space that I have. I'm just saying that the things that were good about the prequel trilogy were erased. They just didn't exist in this movie. Maybe that's what made me so happy about it, because I... So I hated... um, I hated the the first Star Wars 1 so much. It's not good. I hated it so much that I have never actually watched 2 and 3 in any continuous viewing. Right? I've watched 2 and 3 in puzzle pieces yeah. you know what i mean it's like oh it's on i'll watch 20 minutes of it Ugh, i hate these movies i'm turning them off you know i really did not think i was going to see this movie really? because i hated those movies so much you know i was like f these guys i gave see us this the movie. first two episodes of alias and the first yeah, yeah, two yeah, episodes yeah, of yeah. lost no, I, how I, could you have not how could you have not thought he could do this one? i did not think he could do it i just wasn't i wasn't you know i'm like i'm not willing to get sucked in again so, but I, and then I did see it, and I and I was and and for two hours I was a thirteen year old kid sitting there. I had tears in my eyes half the time, you know, just from like I just felt like this was this is what I remembered, you know, from seeing you know I, I saw all three of, you know, the original movies in the theaters as same. a kid, uh, you know, so you know, and it and it really re- you know just like there were so many. Uh, I mean, yes, yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm aware a lot of it is fan service. Who cares? But I don't care. I was willing to be serviced. <laughs> so, where I land on this is, good movie, but if we're going to live in a universe where those other three movies exist, like, it'd be one thing if he, like, JJ'd the Star Wars universe like he JJ'd the Star Trek universe, and he just said, none of that stuff ever happens now, right? I'm erasing right. it. This is the JJ version of Star right, Trek, right. right? If he did that, it'd be one thing. But we're playing in a universe where he actually recognizes the existence of the first three films. Sure. Right? I just think that there are things that were good about the first three films that we don't necessarily have to erase. And that, like, the... the I, I really, really, really think of that first moment on Naboo in episode one. Like, they did such a good job with that. Right? The rest of the movie might not have been very good. But right. you get this sense, like, oh my god, the Jedi really are that awesome. And everything they were talking about... When they said, Luke, you could be this thing in the original trilogy, like you get to see for a moment what that might mean. And, like, I mean, and then there's things like that are really good. Like, did you, I don't know how much you got into the Clone Wars cartoons. I, I, I've never, I've never watched them. They're unbelievably good. So, like, 
like all the Clone Wars stuff takes place in the in the prequel, like you know, between Episode two and Episode three, basically, and it's really really good. And uh, there, I mean, Darth Maul comes back to life, right? Some people think that's cheesy, but you know, whatever. No, there's all kinds of bad guy force wielders and bounty hunters versus Jedi and droids and diplomats and all the things that are rich that people talk about in whispers in the Star Wars mythology are realized in the Clone Wars and in and like Obi-Wan falls in love, like all kinds of stuff that you that you might not expect that are really, really you know, you would have tears in your eyes maybe, I don't know, if you care about young Obi-Wan or what. But the they're that are really good and those are part of the rich tapestry of this in a way that like the what they call the expanded universe isn't right so all the stuff that people have been writing for the last 20 years that are like in novels and comic books and stuff has all been erased right yeah 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 but that but the clone wars and the prequel trilogy haven't and i'm just saying like hey the idea that there are capable jedi who can jump off of high places and twirl their lightsabers really fast and you know deflect so- laser beams and stuff like that and there's this there's this just mathematical problem i have in my head which is no matter how bad a problem is you can send two jedi to a planet or a jedi and a padawan and they can take care of the problem or you can have two sith and they can take over a galaxy that's the math problem sure right i did not get the feeling that either of those you know einsteinian constants were in play in this movie and that like like i said before that just means that it's unsatisfying to me sure not that the movie wasn't good because sure. i think the movie was good Sure. Yeah, I, 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 for, for me, it was, uh, it, it was, it was close to perfect. And, and that, that comes with all the imperfections of, you know, like it's supposed to be a high adventure space romp, right? Like that, that is what it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, if, again, if you watch Star Wars, you know, we, we, Carl and I just watched the, tri- you know, the original trilogy, uh, in the week leading up to it, because she, she had actually never seen, the original three Star Wars movies. What have you and, done to this woman? She also had never seen like football before, right? And you turned her into a football <laughs> fanatic. More of a baseball, baseball fanatic. fanatic. She likes football, but she's a baseball fanatic. Yeah, but she had never seen sports before. <laughs> she thought they were stupid. <laughs> they are. Look at us. <laughs> we are animals. <laughs> Morons when it comes to sports. Brzingis. Brzingis uh, is one, good. One, one, I like Brzingis. What one last thing before? Yeah. Uh, did you watch Sherlock last night? Oh no! There was a new Sherlock. Yes. Oh. Wow. And it was it was uh, I, I think it was the most satisfying one in, in a in a season or so. Do not say words to me. I will watch it, and then when we meet later this week or something like that, we will we will. Um, uh, return okay. to, uh, to yeah. It was on, it was on it was on PBS. So it was a uh, is it my um my not paying attention uh of this is the Sherlock is uh it even though it's Cumberbatch and and Bilbo Baggins it takes place in old school Sherlock time is that it is season four episode one okay all right uh, I will watch it and then we will discuss later. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, and then, so we resolve to pick this up in a day or so. Sure. Okay. All right. All right. Top eight magic. Uh, this is Brian David Marshall, Michael J. Flores saying read Fetchland and bye. Yeah. Read all the Fetchland. Oh, wait. Also follow us on, um, 
Facebook at facebook.com slash top eight magic. And um, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fetchland MTG, but we've never tweeted there. <laughs> but you should still do it. Fetchland MTG. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll start using that. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, you should. That'd be awesome. All All right. Bye.